Welcome to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD. I'm your host, Alicia Sutton, and today we're broadcasting from the annual meeting of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. Today we're going to focus on a topic that should be of interest to all of us because data is everywhere. How is it sometimes that we look at some visual representation of data and we understand it immediately? Yet at other times, we look at data and we're totally confused, or even worse, we're disinterested. We're talking data visualization and the rhyme and reason behind effective and efficient design of data. With me is Andy Kirk. He's a leading expert in the field, and he's the founder of Visualizing Data Limited, based in the United Kingdom. Andy's the author of Data Visualization, a Successful Design Process, which is a practical guide to creating data visualization solutions. Welcome, Andy. We are glad Thank you could join us. My pleasure. Thank you. So let's start with the big picture. What is data visualization? Well, data visualization really is the analysis of and communication of data, but in a visual form. So we use visualization both to make sense of data ourselves, where the creators, where the receivers, the recipients, and we're trying to make sense of the data we've got through the charts and the graphs and the formation visually. But of course, perhaps even more so, we use visualization to communicate data and information to others. Uh, colleagues, managers, customers, external people. And it's, it's really increasing in its, um, in its popularity and its commonality across so many different roles now. 10, 15 years ago, this would have been a very specialist discipline that only a few people would have had the responsibility to undertake. But these days, more and more people's duties include some requirement for data and visualization literacy. So it's a real important growth area. That's interesting. And you use the word literacy. Are some people more naturally adept at that literacy, and can it be learned? It's a good question. I mean, first of all, yes, it completely can be learned. I think people are certainly um, adept if they are naturally visual people. Some people draw more towards pictures and symbols. Others are more towards kind of data, numbers, and words. But... For me, visualization literacy is, is a two-sided coin because on one side you've got, of, of course, the, the creation of these things. They understand about, I've got this story to tell, I've got this data to use, and this is the portrayal that I will create. But perhaps even more so, it's also as consumers, as readers, we're all recipients of charts and graphs and visualization work, and we never get taught how to read it. We get by through exposure. We know perhaps how to read a bar chart and a pie chart and a line chart because they're so ubiquitous. But all these other ways of portraying data, there are so many different chart types out there, we don't really get taught how to, how to read them. So it is something that does require learning. And if you're struggling as a reader to make sense of a graphic, it may not be that the graphic is flawed, but they, you just don't yet have literacy to make sense of it. So persevere, put the effort in, and eventually you'll see the kind of light bulb flash and you'll, you'll get to the side. Yeah, that's so interesting. And we have such a, a, a plethora of infographics these days. Yeah, um, not all good. <laughs> There's a long tail of, uh, let's say, um, less good quality work out there. But at the same time, it's easy to be quite snobbish about that, that work. But it does have a, an audience. You know, people are looking for light bite snacks, morsels of information. And if it's in a kind of fun, light bite form, then, you know, people are going to consume it. But certainly we, what we're trying to do in the visualization field is, is separate the, the good practice from the bad and explain mm-hmm. why the bad practice is indeed bad. Don't just eliminate it. So people are getting more familiar with the term like infographics, which is very much part and parcel of the same game as visualization. It's just quite typically you have different media forms. You have illustrations and diagrams mm-hmm. and text and videos embedded within infographics. But these days, frankly, as technology is advancing, the, the boundaries between the two fields are blurring. So mm-hmm. for visualization, read infographics. Right. 
And you've devised some specific steps for data mm. visualization. Can you describe that for us? Sure. So my background uh, in an undergraduate degree sense was in a field called operational research, which, amongst many other things, taught about the importance of systems thinking, so breaking down a complex model into systematic pieces. And that's really how I've approached making sense of visualization as a, as a discipline, break it down to kind of concrete steps that you can follow as a workflow to create the most efficient and effective output. So I have this kind of five-stage process whereby the first stage is establishing why are we doing this project, why are we creating a visualisation, what's the reason, what's the trigger, what's the intent, what, what we're hoping to achieve with it, what do we expect our recipients to get from the piece. And it's all about kind of contextual thinking initially. Who's the audience? What format am I working towards? Is it for print? Is it for web? All these very important factors that you can't really abandon and think about at the end because it's too late. Once you've established the context, you can then get the data. This is the raw material, the critical ingredient that you'll be using to build the work. So developing this kind of intimate familiarity with the raw material is, is the critical second stage. From there, we move more into kind of a journalistic sensibility, whereby we're taking a, a kind of higher view of the data and thinking, what's the curiosities, what are the angles that we could come at this data from analytically and portray those angles to our audiences? And then those first three stages are all preparatory thinking. The fourth stage is to start to think about the design. And there's all sorts of different design considerations at play, but you know, things like chart type, colours. Well, how will we actually conceive the look and feel of this work? The fifth stage, ultimately, is build the thing, which is obviously easier said than done sometimes. You might have great ideas and ambitions in stage four, but the, the reality kicks in in stage five, the tools, the requirement to build the thing and, and deliver a, a cohesive final product. So that's the, the workflow that I find is is most adaptable to, to most projects that you can work on. Right, and, and I sat through your workshop yesterday and watched people's um, eyes open as they mm. looked at those. Is there any one of those steps that you think people are most surprised by saying, wow, I, I really never thought of that step? I, I honestly believe the, the third stage, that critical bridge between the data and the design, which is this editorial focus stage, what are we actually going to do with this data? What are we actually going to say with it? What are the interesting things or the interesting angles to come at it from? And I said that's the most important layer because we can create beautiful designs. We've got access to deep wells of data. But unless we actually show that instinct to, to cut through all the noise of the data and harness what's truly important, the real nuances of that data, I, I think that's the most important stage. And when you see the quality of the work out in the field today, the good and the bad, that seems to me to be a real key differentiator. I also feel that that is, is the easiest trait to pick up and to, to train the mind to think carefully and to take that breather to that moment before you dive into a design and think, OK, what are we actually going to do with this? What story are we telling? What insights are we giving to our audience? So I think that's probably the critical stage and, and sometimes often the most neglected. Yeah, so critical thinking exactly. is obviously a big part oh, of it. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, of course, in, in a sense, if you break down all the many attributes that go into an all-round visualisation designer, of which there are many, you could lump the two groups into talent and thinking. Talent is, is something you've got or you haven't got. You're a good designer, you're a good technician with software. But to my mind, critical thinking, the other side of the equation, is such a, a, an attainable skill set because it's about thinking about all the different decisions that go into any visualisation piece. And as you saw yesterday in the workshop, when you start to look at um, a visualisation work forensically, you see all these very small decisions that have been made, whether to include a tick mark on an axis or not. What scales to use? What grid lines to include or not? What colours to use? And all these minutiae decisions really make or break the effectiveness, the appeal, and the impact of a visualisation work. And 
really it's about having awareness of all the options that are out there mm-hmm. and then fine-tuning the means by which you make the choices for your particular piece of work. Right, and as a do- designer of those, obviously so much thought goes into it, but as a consumer of it, you don't know that at all. You just That's consume, right. and you either love it or don't. Absolutely right, and you can never create 100% universality. I mean, the pursuit for many de- de- designers out there is to try and get as many people on board as possible, but you can never, because there's also things like the subject matter. Are people interested in that subject? If they're not, they don't really have a reason to engage with it. So you can never achieve 100%, but it's always a pursuit of better trying to get as many people on board, as many people getting things from it, establishing understanding uh, as possible. Right. If you're just tuning in, this is Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, and we're discussing data visualization with Andy Kirk. So what, what traits do you feel people need to be capable of uh, making effective data visualization? Well, I think, in a nutshell, one, the first trait that I always look for in somebody is inherent curiosity a desire to find answers to problems, a desire to find understanding from things that they don't necessarily understand, kind of asking questions of things, why is that, what, how many of that, how does that look like this? Curiosity is something that, once again, people are either inherently blessed with or not, but it, it, once again, it's a, uh, an achievable trait. But I think once you go beyond curiosity, I think it's a desire, in my mind, to have a certain empathy with an audience, to realise that you're not creating this for you, whilst you might be interested in the subject, it is not for you to consume, it's for others. And so trying to get that kind of empathetic mindset of, if I was this audience member, what would I want to learn about this subject? How would I want it to look? What kind of layout would I want to see in terms of a, a narrative? If it was an interactive, what kind of interactive functions would I want to deliver to my audience? And once again, it, it is just switching the mindset. And the, the biggest leap you can make in visualisation is just simply awareness and realising that there are all these moving parts to it that can very quickly make someone who's quite average at visualisation work become good. Good to great is a different journey, as in anything. Mm-hmm. But average, adequate to good is a very achievable journey. Good. Can you give us some examples of maybe a challenging um, graphic data visualisation project you had for one of your clients? Yeah, I mean, there's actually a couple that spring to mind. So the, the one that I worked on um, last summer was about um, psychotherapy treatment in Alaska. Uh, a subject matter I've got no knowledge about. Um, but that doesn't matter in visualisation, by the way. Um, data is not respectful of subject matter. It is entirely portable and flexible. But the, the difficulty of this was trying to get the right level of complexity in the portrayal of this data. This complex treatment information and treatment data, scores about people's different testing when they came into treatment and, and then they left treatment. We didn't want to dilute it or dumb it down to a very overly simplified level because that would lose the nuance and the, the real kind of the critical ingredients of the portrayal. But at the same time, it needed to be accessible to a lay person. So this went through so many different iterations with the client. It was a wonderful client. He really kind of understood the, the challenges. And eventually, we, we feel like we, we got the right balance, but it took a long time to just kind of move backwards and forwards between overly complex, overly simplified. And eventually, we kind of hit on the, the sweet spot, hopefully. Mm. The, the other challenge is a project I'm working on right now. Um, I'm doing some work, uh, it's actually for myself, uh, as part of um, the, the book I'm working on, and it's looking at movie careers. And the kind of, the motivation is based on hot streaks. When do actors have these hot streaks? When, for some reason, they just have these relentless, successful movies out there. And I'm looking at the different careers of, kind of very kind of um, hand-picked actors. Successful, people who were 
have, have had very long careers, people who have had real kind of no success for many years, and then suddenly they're the big, big name. Mm-hmm. The challenge with this, when I'm looking for a complete history of people's filmography, I'm looking for movie uh, box office receipts, I'm looking for ratings of those movies, there isn't one single source I can find that gives me everything with complete trust in the completion of it. So I'm having to grab bits here and then substantiate them with bits there and bits here. And it's, it's a real challenge to kind of create this, this, almost, this Frankenstein data set of all these different ingredients from elsewhere, but to still have the faith that this is as good and as complete a picture as possible. And anyone out there, I'm sure, will be faced with this ongoing difficulty of how I got a complete picture of data or a good enough picture of data. And you never, you never quite know that. But it's something you just have to go through. It's a burden. Visualisation is not an, a quick hit. It's something mm-hmm. that takes time. And the data gathering stage is without question the hidden part of the iceberg in terms of the effort that goes into this work. So I think those two projects kind of captured the essence of really kind of some of the kind of consistent challenges, getting all the data, but also getting the right balance for the audience. Yeah, I can imagine the storyboard on exactly. that one. Right. must be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So we're at a continuing education conference here. Um, what are you seeing evolve for those who are in this, the stakeholders? How are you seeing that change for them? Well, I think the, the biggest change for me in the, in the visualization field is, is the ongoing, I mean, I, I'm reluctant to use this term, but I will do anyway, the kind of democratization of visualization. It's no longer the, 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 the attributes of a specialist. It's now something that more and more people can, can do and can take tools off the shelf that they don't need great years of training in, they can just pick them off the, off the shelf and follow wizards to create outputs. So the people in, in the in the conf- convention centre today, I'm, I'm sure, typically will be people who have, let's say, some like Excel capabilities, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some other tools out there, but they might just be going, to a certain extent, through the motions. And I think the biggest role that we have to play in the visualisation field is to make this feel achievable and obtainable as a skill set because it is of course there are some very advanced stuff out there but as I said before to get from average to good is an easy journey and the tools that are out there the access to resources online for learning it's, it's all out there if you've got the motivation and the awareness to look for it so I can say that all the people in the room today can make a big difference to this field that they're working in just by simply thinking differently that's excellent Andy it's been most insightful for those who are seeking more information they can visit visualizingdata.com and that's visualizing spelled with an S. It is indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. If you've been watching Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. This is co-produced with the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. For more information and a full library of medical broadcasts, please visit reachmd.com. Thank you. I'm your host Alicia Sutton and we'll see you next time.